Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And I'll climb up there and I'll do a 450 splash and she was like oh yeah and then we'll throw you onto a train and haha what three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island this is what I'm asking wrestling's best in the ring around the ring behind the scenes or behind a microphone I'm Tom Campbell thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps for the final time This is the one woman girl gang, the green eyed monster, Jayla Dark! I'm going to sit down to do this. I know CM Punk did it first, but he's not here. So, Jayla Dark, how are you doing? Hi, I am surviving. Yeah. <laughs> so, we were saying no, this before we started, weren't we? Like, we're all just going, surviving, strolling just, yeah. on. Just, it's okay. I'm getting there. It's, yeah, it's fine. Which, of course, we're not doing anything, so there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> no, so thanks for listening. See you again. Um, <laughs> which is superior, heavy heavy rain or Detroit become human? <gasps> oh, I'm going to say Detroit become human. Mm, and it's not right just answer. because that's currently what I'm streaming. It's because it is genuinely better. The voice acting is remarkably better. The voice acting is better. I also think that the the overall story is better because, and I, I'm expecting angry tweets, but I thought the twist at the end of Heavy Rain was shit. <laughs> oh, was okay. Shit. I didn't I didn't buy it. I didn't like it. It created so many plot holes in the rest of the narrative that I was like, but hang on a minute. If he's the, well, that makes no, I just, I couldn't get on board with it. And I've said this before in an old BBC social gaming video and my comment section on YouTube got full of very angry men calling me a witch for talking about games and being female. So I expect the same thing, but this time I'm older, wiser, and I look forward to the to the combat. So there you go. That's I, my I, answer. Detroit become human. I agree. I agree. Are you having you having fun streaming it though? Loving it. Oh, yeah. it's been really nice coming back to to live streaming because I did a little bit during what lockdown number three five seven two one and. <laughs> It was fun, but admittedly, you know, full transparency, I wasn't in the best headspace to, you know, because you know what it's like with streaming. It's you're you're on, 
so you you know nobody wants a Debbie Downer on a stream where they come on like hey guys so I'm really depressed today and everything's you know just barely hang it nobody wants to watch that on a stream and I just wasn't feeling it so I didn't want to force it so but coming back to it in a much better place has been has been so much fun i think people forget that don't they that that streaming isn't isn't just a case of like the the streamers that do well that could get that get the good numbers on that their twitch they're not the ones that just stream and just sit quietly and play it like it is like you say you're on it's a it's a show and it is knackering like like when this 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 goes out this this goes out after i've had my two weeks off and before before going away i've had people say to me oh yeah but you can still do a bit on twitch i was like no i don't want to do anything i don't want to i don't want to dance for anybody for two weeks leave me alone that though isn't it you're right because it's i think streaming is way more difficult than anybody ever ever thinks it's going to be Mm. and because so i i started stuff doing stuff on youtube for the bbc because my husband also did things for geek and sundry on youtube as well so he'd been doing youtube videos forever and it's you think it's just ah, i'm just going to play a game and chat it's hard to concentrate on playing a game and look at your chat window and keep moderating it at the same time while also playing a game where you have to make decisions Mm-hmm. It's not just like jumping, like it's hard. And then people are going, well, oh, you're not really talking because like, I'm fucking concentrating. <laughs> and it's, it becomes a whole thing. And then if you're doing that for like two hours, two, three hours, like it's, it is, it's hard. It's, I look at it the same way that I looked at wrestling, maybe not wrestling a match, but from the minute you're in a venue, you're on, you're that character, you're that person. So in front of kids and stuff, I don't want to break character in front of kids. So you're always on until you're back in your car going, oh, thank God that's done, you know? Exactly, exactly. Want to break into your 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 10 years uh, in the wrestling industry and, of oh. course, all the other stuff you've done around it throughout uh, our chat today. Also, the main part that we're here is that we're sending you onto a desert island, Jayla. Isn't oh, that, that exciting? Nice. <laughs> What's funny is when this show started, everyone was like, oh, that sounds terrible. But now during lockdown, everyone's like, oh, brilliant. When? Yeah. <laughs> Can I go? Away, I'm like, great. Is it first class? Am I going to get a cocktail on landing? Like, <laughs> be awesome. You'll be met by uh, by um, Hawaiian dancers. Oh, the, the Hawaiian dancers? Yeah, you'll be met by them. You can't appreciate this on the on the, on the the podcast, but I'm currently doing the, the Aloha <laughs> dance. I'm watching it. It's It's a treat treat for all involved. Uh, We're sending you on to a desert island and we're going to put a Blu-ray together of three wrestling matches that you can watch while you are there. I know. I thought we'd be a bit fancy, you know, high def and all that. And no one's using Blu-ray anymore. So, (laughs) Uh, Feel nice and retro. Oh, yeah. Keep it old school. But you can only pick three matches to go on there. So what would you like your first match to be, Jayla? First match is going to be um, from 2003's WWE Armageddon, the Battle of the Sexes match. Lita, Trish, there's a lot of rumors flying around that you two are mad at us. We really, really hope that's not true. Look at your faces. I mean, what did we do to you guys that, that, that would make you feel this way? Okay. You're mad at us because of that bet? It was just a joke. I mean, come on, Trish. 
You know the chemistry that we have. And Lita, you know Christian feels the same way. He gave up his Survivor Series favor so you could keep your job. You know the real us. Trish, I'm begging you to please, please accept my apology. Trish, please. I've never felt this way about anybody ever. Accept my apology. Did you two really have a bet to see who was going to get lucky first? Well, You're damn right. right it was a real bet, and I was just about to close the deal with Lita. I can't believe this. You've got to do something about this, Eric. In Armageddon, we've got a tag team matchup. It's going to see Christian teaming with Chris Jericho. And their and? opponents are going to be Lita and her partner, Trish <laughs> in Eric Bischoff's Battle of the Sexes at Before the woke crowd start coming and being like, but it's sexist. Yeah, okay, we know. But so that storyline was horrible. The entire storyline of like Christian and Jericho having a bet on who can nail which girl first. Yes, it's incredibly sexist. We know. So let's get that out of the way. I'm aware. Okay. But in terms of an actual match, like the thing that I loved about watching it was you can see the guys do not they don't treat the women any differently when it comes to the wrestling like some of these shots that like trish and and lita take like some of the strikes leave you going oh he literally folded her in half with that clothesline because he and i i love that because i think it's such a great representation of what intergender wrestling can look like yes okay the storyline is it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. But it's treat it's I don't know, it's just it's put together so well and it involves three of my favorite wrestlers ever. Chris Jericho can take a seat. But <laughs> everyone else in that ring, I love, you know, they they are responsible for getting me into wrestling in the first place and I just oh, I love it. I just love it. It's ridiculous. Can you remember where you were when you watched that match for the first time? 2003 uh, I was sitting in the house. I was sitting in my mum's house and I had, I didn't stay up late because I wasn't allowed, but I, I taped it and I watched it back. Actually, 2003 taped. Did I tape it or did it? Sky Would Plus. You, Sky like Plus. I think we were, I think by 03 we were Sky Plus. I think we were, I think I was Sky Plusing it. It wasn't a VHS tape. That was more like in a 98, 99 kind of thing. So that's where I was. But I remember watching it as a kid and it was, again, it was that kind of, You'd already been watching Lita do intergender stuff and wrestle with men, and it was and it was cool. But this was the first time, one of the main first times that I can remember, where it was two women against two men. It wasn't like a man and a woman versus a man and a woman, and the men only met, and then the women only. It was a proper like, yes, women are kicking the shit out of these guys, and then it all goes wrong, and they don't. But you know, the offense never looked, the women's offense never looked weak. They never looked like they were out of their depth, but they were also never treated softly. And I really appreciate that in a wrestling match when it comes to intergender stuff. Not that I watched tons of it, but that just made me kind of go, oh, yeah, cool. Doesn't matter who you're wrestling, you can do it well. And I loved it. 
Can you see a point where, because WWE did this a fair bit, especially in 03, from what I remember, there was a lot of uh, the men versus the women on, on TV and on pay-per-view, and then it became a, 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 a completely taboo idea to the point that if you play the wrestling games and you attempt, as a male wrestler, if you attempt to strike a female wrestler, the, the, the match instantly ends. So, like, to go from sort of it being quite a, it's, this, this is happening, it's fair game either side, mm -hmm. to, like, we're not even going to mention it. We're not gonna, nah, nah. Do you see a time where that changes again? I would like to think so. It's a weird... I think the WWE is a weird one because we all know that a lot of the time the WWE is not necessarily just what the audience want. Sometimes it's not at all what the audience wants, what they do. It's just, you know, they, they have an agenda and they're like, this is the package we're putting out and you people are going to like it because who else are you going to watch? AEW, that's who. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So maybe I would like to think so. You know, you've got stuff like the 24-7 title which is okay it's it's kind of seen as like a comedy title but you know you've got like men and women sort of scrapping for it and I think it really does depend kind of what where the tide goes especially politically because we remember how suddenly when Linda was running for office everything got cleaned up quick smart and you're going all right okay that's why we don't hit women anymore in the ring that's fine I don't I don't I honestly don't know. I'd hmm, maybe I'd like to think so, but you know, see, to be honest, I would be happier nowadays to see more women's matches on cards than to see women scrapping with men. You know? Yeah. I mean, that is something that we're seeing. We are slowly seeing more of. I think that to to base it from when you started ten years ago mm. to to now, there has been. Uh, so much progression made, but there is still a lot more to be made. There's a lot more work to do in that field. Very, very much so. I mean, I think it's like things like, you know, NXT UK has got a tremendous female roster from some of the top women that you get in the UK, but I don't think they're being utilised well enough. You could easily do a half and half show, like a 50-50 show is the dream where you've got say a, an uh, eight match card, four matches are women's matches, four matches are men's matches. That seems like a great idea. And frankly, to me, if guys start bitching and moaning backstage going, oh, these women are taking our spots, well, then maybe you should step it up and be better. Don't expect them to lessen themselves. You need to improve. Exactly. Exactly. The best wrestlers, regardless of 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 whatever they're packing, should be on the show. It shouldn't yeah. make a difference as to to any of that. It's if they're the best, then that's why they're there. That's all it comes down to. Go yeah, back to your to your match to your to your the battle of the sexes from Armageddon 03. <laughs> Is there a particular spot, a sequence from that match that even to this day properly stays with you? Sequence in the match. Mm. I think. To be honest, I think the ending, and I know it sounds I know it sounds stupid, but because they're trying to make the ending out to obviously they were they were starting to tease Jericho turning face and Christian turning full heel, even though he was pretty much there already. But what I really loved, because it still makes me laugh, was Christian essentially cracking Trish one with a massive clothesline, like as in oh shit, is she dead? And like rolling her up 
and then he celebrate. He does literally celebrates like he's won the world heavyweight title, <laughs> like it's the biggest moment of his career. And I love it because it's for all of it. It's such it's good character work, and it stands out to me because I'm like, of course, he's not going to be like, oh, I just beat a girl. It's no big deal. He's going to be like, yes, won the match. Yes, best ever. And you're looking at him going. Oh, you're such a twat, and I love it. <laughs> Which did you fall in love with first, wrestling or Star Wars? Star Wars. Definitely Star Wars. Um, because my mum showed me Star Wars when I was, like, six years old on some crappy VHS recording of A New Hope. And I didn't care much for it until I saw lightsabers, and I was like, what is that? That's the coolest thing ever. And it was just a thing from from there. It just carried on and then it bled into wrestling. There is a if if you find Jayla Dark on Instagram, there is a lovely photo of Jayla with a lightsaber. That poor now broken lightsaber belonged um to a lovely guy called Ash who does all the sound and, and AV stuff for Pro Wrestling Eve. And for that that was my last match. And he he brought, because I couldn't fly with a lightsaber down to London. So he was like, oh, you can use mine. And at the time of planning said match, I didn't think about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to swing at Suka and I'm going to hit the ring post. And I was like, I'll control it. Don't worry. It will be fine. And of course, in the <laughs> middle of the match, I'm like, ah! and I cracked the ring post and it sort of flickered. And I was like, no, I'm sure it's fine. It stayed fine. And then... Actually, only a couple of weeks ago, discussing lightsabers, Ash was like, yeah, that lightsaber was broken, by the way. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. No. Year, you know, a year later, he's like, I didn't have the heart to tell you, but yeah, that, that lightsaber was broken. I'm like, I'm so sorry, mate, because it what? looked so cool. What a sweetheart, though, to, to have that oh, happen. But you're like, I, I don't have, it's your last match. I don't have the heart to tell you. <laughs> he's Ash, Ash is the best. He's so lovely. He was just like, yeah, yeah, that that did break, by the way. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. With Star Wars then, it was the lightsabers that that drew you into it. What's kept you? I just, it's, it's hard to explain. So there's a sense of like childlike nostalgia anyway that's connected with these things, I think. But just, it's so big. It's there's there's a genuinely a whole universe of stuff. Like if you pick something up, it you guaranteed it'll have a different name in Star Wars. Not always a good name. Uh, toughened glass was called Invisisteel, and that made me like snigger, going, "Oh come on, guys, <laughs> you could have thought of something better." But it just it's especially just now with kind of everything that's going on it's got a real sense of escapism it's literally it's a different universe a different galaxy far far away and it's i love that you can just you just lose yourself in it and it's just it's i also love the the themes of it as well there's some great themes that i think can be we're starting to get deep now there's some great themes that are you know you can really take it into your day-to-day life and that kind of you don't need to be special or you don't need to come from something special necessarily to be special um there's always hope somewhere in the world regardless of what's going on doesn't matter what you've done in your past you can still 
learn from it and grow and redeem yourself. And also lightsabers. <laughs> Which and lightsabers um, are really fucking cool. Like they are. To be fair, you there's like that's <laughs> that's enough to carry a franchise. To be honest with you. Which which Star Wars character do you believe you resonate with the most? Oh my god, that's hard. Because I change day to day. Um, potentially, I'd, I'd like to think something like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just eventually by all of it, he's just fucking fed up. You can see he's just like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm so done with this shit. <laughs> um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's got I'm definitely I don't I'm not a Luke Skywalker. I don't have that much wide-eyed optimism in the world anymore. Wrestling took that from me. Um me Han Solo? Maybe Han Solo? I don't think I'm cool enough to be considered solo though. Because he's so cool. He is the coolest. Harrison Ford at that time is just peak, peak cool. Like, did Han Solo shoot first? Yes. Okay. Yes, he shot first. Of course, he did. It's good to know. Of <laughs> it's, he did. it's always good to find out because because the, the opinion varies a lot. Star Wars kind of you you have this weird like Star Wars very similar to wrestling, whereby you have this incredible base of super passionate fans who who who, who have been divided for the longest of time. Yeah. Uh, because you had these original, you know, to, and I'm, I'm talking about one of the biggest movie franchises of all time in massive broad brushstrokes here. But you have these, you you, you have these nine initially, you, you have these six initial movies that are, are just incredible, just the pace and the energy. Mm-hmm. So you have three and then you have another three and then you have another three. And it's to the, the, the fans of the first three, that was the middle three. There's the 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 new three, which are the last yeah. three, uh, there's 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 a a sadness to it because it's not the the, the it's not theirs anymore. You know, there's a lot of gatekeeping yeah. within that community and most fan communities because it's no longer theirs. It's now back out in the wider world. Where do you where do you yeah. sit with the, with with that sort of mindset? I don't. I think's the best way to put it. Like fair I, enough. Yeah, like, I've met, like, speaking to people and stuff online, and I'll say, there's so many different opinions. And that's sometimes that's the great thing about fandoms, is especially massive ones, is everyone's got a different opinion or a different theory or a different headcanon. And you can go, oh, yeah, I'd love that. Or sometimes you can just go, ah, that's not really for me. I don't resonate with that. And it's cool. You can sort of pick and choose. What I really hated, though, was those people who were giving other people abuse because they liked um, the sequel trilogy, the final three movies, because of things like, oh, but Luke Skywalker never would have thrown his lightsaber away and run off to it. And I was like, well, how do you know? Because the Luke Skywalker you left at the end of Return of the Jedi was younger. All this shit has happened to him in that time. He is allowed to become older, become jaded. He's allowed to... It's called character development. Like, it's allowed to happen. But I also understand the disappointment of seeing maybe a character that you put a lot of hope into, that you, that you, what was the word, that you kind of idolised, turning out to be something that you didn't want them to be. You know, it's kind of like the day when you're a toddler and you think your parents are 
Superman and Superwoman and they can do no wrong. And then as you get older, you suddenly realize, oh, they're just regular people. I it's, think it's, it's that similar disappointment. Realizing that our heroes are flawed. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to, they don't want flawed heroes, which is another discussion in itself. If that's what you want from your characters, cool. But for me, I, I love the sequel trilogy, except The Rise of Skywalker. That's an entire podcast in itself. <laughs> You'll have thing. seen it on Twitter. <laughs> you're, not, you're not, yeah, you've, you've, you're quite outspoken about that. It was shit. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I can't like, and I know that that disappointment that I was just talking about, I know mm. that that's what I'm suffering from, but it is. It's like, okay, so we get to the final movie of the saga. The whole thing is coming to this one pivotal pinhead moment. Oh, and you fucked it. <laughs> oh, like, oh, it's painful. It's painfully disappointing. It's it's a tough one when when the weight of a franchise bears so heavy on one film. Like, I, I wouldn't want the task of writing that. No way. No the way. They made a mistake, though. So, in, like, sorry, just get, going to get up on my soapbox. Soapbox away, Jayla. Soapbox so away. The problem was, was that you got these three movies and not they weren't written cohesively. They weren't written by the same person the whole way through. It wasn't one person writing each bit. It was, okay, we'll write this bit and J.J. Abrams will direct this. And then someone else will write this and now Rian Johnson will do this. And, oh shit, JJ is coming back for the last one, but he doesn't like everything that happened in the last movie. So he's just going to wreck on it and ignore it. And that was why it was so disjointed because it didn't have a single controlling entity the whole way through. And they sh that that's going to be my biggest bugbear. And that's why you ended up with things being rewritten and recast and storylines being changed and oh yeah no wait sorry now you're a palpatine sorry what where did he come from did he not die oh he's a clone oh of course he's a freaking clone <laughs> they're always clones like you know it was it was hard and then of course you call it rise of skywalker and you kill off the last blood relative of the skywalker lineage okay well done. That's, <laughs> that's a swerve, isn't it? It's a swerve, it's, bro. It's, it's not a movie about... And the worst part was, was J.J. Abrams going, oh, but we leave the movie on a really hopeful tone. J.J., everyone's but, dead. <laughs> I mean, they are all dead. That's true. <laughs> like, J.J. pretty much... Like, everyone's dead. But it's that's not like, hopeful. But there's almost like a requirement for all those films to... to like the re like all these remakes to end at a point where you leave it open to continue. I watched the other week Bill and Ted's Face the Music. I love that movie. It's I loved lovely. It. It's lovely. It's just great. It just it's so much made with so much love. And yeah, the fan service is fantastic. Adored it. It was one I'd of also, those. Oh god. I'd also watch Keanu Reeves do basically anything at this point. So, <laughs> you know, that's fine. But again, they have they they set up the film in such a way where there'll be more Bill and Ted films if they want to, because there's well we don't yes. spoil it for you, but there is the there's the room for more Bill and Ted films and in a logical sense. So I guess you're fighting that, aren't you? Where I know everybody's dead, but then because they want to keep the franchise going with new people and not lean on the old people so much, like it's it's, it's a tough one. 
Yeah, I think they've done a really smart thing, though, in the sense that they are now focusing more on their TV franchises than they are movies. That seems far first for a universe now as big as Star Wars, that seems way more sensible because you can cover so much more ground. And aren't they half? Like the amount of stuff that's been announced is insane. And I'm excited. Oh, yeah, they, they. I watched that that Disney the Disney announcement they did about a month ago. Was it that big Disney yeah. conference? They just and they just said, "Here's 400 messages. Here's 400 tweets. All of <laughs> yeah. things we're doing." I sat there with with Alex, my good lady. She was getting ready for work. I said, "Right, you get ready. I'm just going to go through this." She said, "Well, how, I've got tw- I've got 20 minutes." I said, "We'll probably need 25, so I'll rush." And it was just <laughs> all the stuff they were doing. It's just like that's that's cool. That's cool. You've got Disney Plus. I take it. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. Mandalorian, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, I was worried for the second season because I, at the start of season two, turned very much into your princess is in another castle. You now need to go to this planet to do this task. And it was very much like all the side quests that you try and get out of the way before. But then suddenly it just hit like episode, what, four, five? And it just... Suddenly it was a thing and you're going, oh, okay, there's now other characters and you're not just running around a planet trying to take some fish woman back to her husband's, <laughs> which was a weird task in itself. It just, a, a few things in that do feel like they're video game side quests. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> so go off like, and do that oh, for a little bit. Well, for a while, like the, um, no spot, well, spot, I guess some spoilers, but like episode two, with is it episode two, episode three, and it, the episode with the ice spiders feels very much like we've got this really cool creature and we want to just freak people out. So, can we just have an episode where you're stuck in a cave with these spiders and that's what's going to happen? And it, you know, because when you actually watch it, you're like, what, what happened from a narrative point of view other than Grogu ate some eggs and that's it? Spiders, eggs and spiders. That was we've it. Got the, like you say, we've got these spiders. We just want to use them. Can we, <laughs> we just can we have use... an episode? I thought like they get at the end of the episode, they get rescued by the um, by the Republic, by the like Republic forces come and rescue them. The ones that tried to like blow them up earlier. And I thought, oh, that's a cool callback. Maybe something will happen. No, 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 just a throwaway thing. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> cool. I still enjoy it though. I still love it. So it's still it's still it's still decent. It's still decent. Uh, with yeah, the rest Pedro of it, with... Pascal is is fantastic as well. Oh, good shout on Pedro! There you go. Have he you is... have you seen anything of Sasha Banks in it yet? Yes, and I was talking about this with a friend yesterday about how just jarring it is to see a well-known, popular wrestler in a TV show like The Mandalorian, or just any TV show. Like, I felt mm. the same way watching Edge, um, Adam Copeland in Haven and in Vikings. Because yes. you're like, because you're like, oh, it's Edge. You, you don't... <laughs> I, did that, I did that awful thing, that awful mark out thing when we were watching Vikings the other night. And I know this is the season, and we, we've got the season where he turns up. Yeah. They do. They're in the, they're in the, uh, the, the Queen's Court and they, and there's just a one little cut and there he is, just looking on, like he's been there the whole time when we know he hasn't, because I'd have seen him, but they're acting like, oh, he's just one of the villagers. He's always here. No, he's not. He's new. 
There's Ed. There he is. It's things like I. It took me so so like when The Rock started in movies. It took me so long to disconnect The Rock that we know and love in the ring and oh, actor Dwayne Johnson. Whereas, the, key, the key to that is just to have The Rock play The Rock in everything. Have him play The Rock in everything. And it works. It fucking works. <laughs> He's but, made a million. You know, like, I watched that episode of Haven where Christian was also like a guest star. And I was like, oh, it's Edge and Christian. <laughs> that's Playing what you with say. Super, and that's how I felt with Sasha Banks. As well. And it was, I mean, she was great. She did, she did really well. She's obviously a female wrestler doing an action role so they got her to do wrestling moves obviously because why wouldn't you but it was things like they didn't they obviously didn't change her face because she's very pretty but they gave her like you know the weird cross kind of braid thing and that was it now she's a mandalorian and you're kind (laughs) of so you know you're looking you're like character so there's dingerin there's bo katan there's wwe's women's champion sasha banks in just it, the disconnect isn't quite there and it's it's it actually brought me out of the immersion of that universe because I was like character 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 wrestler <laughs> that it, might be an issue for many wrestling fans I think getting into stuff yeah, like that like and don't me wrong she was great it wasn't that she was bad at what she was doing she did a fantastic job but it's when you know someone from one thing suddenly watching them do something completely fucking different you're like what are you doing get get back to your fucking box go back go <laughs> i don't mean that anybody but it's true it's it's just a weird kind of okay i mean how many people at the moment has gone to see movies with john cena in it and you don't think of him as a character you just think no it's john cena yeah oh, john cena's in it brilliant <laughs> just it's john C- what we can see him it? That's it. Who's he playing? He's just John Cena. He's not playing a character. He's just that's who he is. Yeah, he's just he's just John Cena or Ferdinand. Yeah, (laughs) literally playing a bull in a china shop. (laughs) With um, with the wrestling to go back to that. I know, Mm -hmm. boring, right? Um, but. There's always an, it's always interesting to ask the question as to when the that pivotal moment happened, when that penny dropped, when you decided, I like watching this, but I actually want to get in there and I want to do that. Was there a, a, a moment that you remember that light bulb going off? Like, so many people that I know speak about that moment where they're like, and I was watching this match and I was like, I'm going to be a wrestler. And I'm like, no, I didn't have that. I was, I was bored, to be honest. I'd finished university the first time round and I had nothing else to do. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing with myself. I was, you know, barely turned 20. was like, "Mm, what do I do now? And I'd been, I was watching like Impact or something and a friend made a joke and just went why don't you go become a wrestler (laughs) and just the idea sort of stuck in my head and I a friend of a friend went to at the time it was area 51 it was SWA Scottish Wrestling Alliance and he was part of that school so I just shot him a message and was like hey George um this wrestling thing that you do um when's the classes and he told me and I just I pitched up one day to on the day and time I was told and um bunch of people were there some famous now some not 
and we just yeah I kind of I was only going to watch for that day that was the thing I was only there to observe and see what the class was like and one of the girls now who's who's famous now was like no you're not here here's a spare pair of joggies and we're gonna just come in start it and I was like, oh, okay. And next thing I know, I was doing squats. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I just kept going. I just kept going every Sunday. And I didn't, I never had these big plans where I was like, I am going to be famous doing this, or I'm going to sign to the WWE or, or whatever. Um, the only main goal I ever had was halfway, kind of halfway through my training, I thought, oh, I got kind of into Japanese wrestling. And I thought, I'd be really cool to go and wrestle in Japan. And that was my only goal, really. I never had that. <gasps> moment never hit me i just kind of went oh yeah i'm bored let's see what happens uh it's, you you mentioned in a, in a previous interview that that nowadays when people are coming into wrestling they're a bit more aware of of their character and and where they want to go and and how they want to get there and you said right there like this wasn't something that you planned on um did you ever did you get to a point where you sort of figured out what you wanted to do and if so how long did that take you mean character-wise? Character-wise, yeah. Um, about a year before oh, I mean, obviously I you got, obviously you got, I was gonna, oh, really, a year before you retired? <laughs> like, so, yeah, like, I, I've always said I never went in with any kind of preconceived notions or ideas about characters, because I think with most people, when you go in, you you think to yourself, oh, these are the moves I would love to do. And then I discovered that my body is not compatible with half of the moves that I want to do. I physically can't do them. I'm like, I'm I'm hefty anyway. I'm not naturally gifted in terms of like aerial ability or flippy nonsense or any kind of lucha stuff. It's not for me. I can't do it. So I, when I was learning, I kind of had to just go through a whole process of what am I good at? What what kind of characters do I like? And it, it took a really long time. Like, in fact, when I was wrestling as Bette Noir, to be honest, most things didn't didn't click until I changed my name to Jayla Dark instead. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. And in all honesty, what that was, was me going fuck everybody else. I can't be bothered keeping up with what you expect of me. So I'm just going to go and do whatever the fuck I want. Tiddaloo. And that was it. <laughs> so I was there that night. You would, you decided you were going to be Jayla Dark. I where? was there. Yeah, because they asked, I was re- right, right. So I was ready to, when I was doing the kind of transitional change, transitional change, I know that sounds weird, but <laughs> when I was changing my, into a different character, so to speak. I had changed gear, I changed my hair at the time as well, and I changed music, and I was ready to release a series of promos just over Twitter. I was just gonna do it over Twitter, and I'd spoken to other companies. And at the time, Absolute Wrestling had booked me for a couple of dates, but they'd also, because I'd said to them in in advance, hey, look, I'm gonna be changing my name, I don't know if this makes a difference to any plans that you might have had for me, but just a polite heads up, I'm going to be changing my name. And they asked me, oh, would you mind not changing your name at all? And would you do it on our show? And I was like, yeah, if you want me to. Like, I have no big pressing agenda that this would cause an issue for. So that's that's why that happened that way, because they asked me, 
oh, would you do it on our show? And I was like, yeah, if you want me to. It's a bit of a marquee moment, like a changing of the guy. And, yeah, and I remember, I remember because I was I was ring announcing for that one, and my 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 first experience of of Bet Noir was <laughs> was ring announcing, and you poking me in the back with a kendo stick. Oh, in, yeah, a, in, in, a, lo- in a loving way. Kind of hiya, yeah. That's how I that's how I showed a lot of love to a lot of ring announcers. I just brought them <laughs> with a weapon, like hey, hey, do the I like you. <laughs> you know my favorite my favorite memory of that particular show as well is that for the entire show a pair of my shoes sat under the chair of uh, an audience member in the front row because i'd kick because before the show had started to, to practice some stuff in the ring i'd kicked my trainers off because they're outside shoes you keep the canvas clean and uh, i kicked off my shoes and just before the show started, it was like, right, guys, come on. We need you all to get backstage. Thanks very much. We're going to be opening the doors soon. So I panicked and went, oh, right, shit, grabbed my hoodie, did not grab my trainers. Somebody just popped them under the chair of the front row and I was coming out to do my entrance. And I was like, you know, big, rrr, so very scary. And I remember standing on the edge of the ring and I turned and looked and went, fuck, that's my shoes. <laughs> I mean, rrr, grrr, heel. So nasty. <laughs> but fuck, that's my shoes. And I couldn't, the entire match, I just kept thinking, oh, I'm going to have to send someone out to get those because those are new trainers and I don't, they were brand new. They were like three day old trainers and I didn't want someone to pill for them. <laughs> oh, so, did you did you get them back in the end? I did. I did okay. get them back. There's, there's a lost property bin at that particular venue. <laughs> it might still be there. <laughs> even send somebody out to get them i event like i got changed put my hood up and just sort of snuck out and was like excuse me hi yeah if you could just thanks these are the fine with this poor like very confused man just going uh yeah so, okay. you know, jail of dark an actual little shoe gremlin just being like excuse me i just need to get my trainers thanks and just shuffling off Oh, the, the, the ring names you've gone under. I, I've been fascinated by some of the the, the stories behind them because there's a lot of video game love that comes from the names. Yes. There was there was a Mass Effect nod in one oh, of your first yeah. games. That was an accident though, because um, <laughs> I was at the time like yeah, the Marauder Shields thing was just uh, because the guy that was booking the show was at the time was just a massive math. And I am also a massive Mass Effect fan. So when he'd said it, I was like, oh, all right, fine. Because it was in, still in that weird in-between of, okay, so you're going to make your debut. You're going to, you're now at the stage you can be on shows, but what are we calling you? And I'm like, I don't, I don't piss and know. Like, I don't know what you call me. Just whatever. <laughs> so that's how that came about. That was a complete accident. <laughs> um, I was doing the nerd thing before AJ Lee was. I'm just putting that out there. Oh God, you, you, were, you were a trendsetter, a trailblazer, if you will. With that exactly. sort of thing, <laughs> where was um? What was the Bet Noir? Was it? I'm 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 because because I know Jayla Dark is Star Warsy. Yes, I know that that um, Marauder Shields, which still which still is great. Marauder Shields is a Mass Effect thing. Bet Noir, La La Noir. No, no oh. idea where it came from. To be honest, I just saw it. Honest to God, there is nothing special about that name. I just I just saw it saw what the translation meant and thought it was really cool. So I was like, all oh, right, that'll do. That'll do. We'll use that. Nobody could ever spell it. 
just thought, just putting that out there. Nobody who made posters ever spelled it correctly the first time. That was always interesting. <laughs> you know, you'd get, oh, here's your match graphic. I'd be like, okay, that's not right, but all right. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guy. And they would, I mean, everyone was always really nice. And they'd be like, oh, sorry, I'll change it. And eventually I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't be bothered fighting this. However you've spelt it, it's probably fine. <laughs> just, just whatever just 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 pay I just me got, i just got incredibly incredibly lazy towards that the end of that particular time i was just like oh whatever you want to call me is fine and the, uh, best thing, oh the best thing is though, is that all the the girls that still work at ice ribbon and still work in japan they still call me beta oh they don't, they don't call me Lindsay or jayla sometimes they call me jayla but the ones that knew me from my first tour still call me bet or beta Oh. So that's cute. So I can't change it now. You know it has to be. That's the state now. I want to talk <laughs> about your uh, your your ice ribbon times in just a moment? But we've got to get to your second wrestling match. So we've got the okay. Battle of the Sexes from Armageddon 03. What's your second yeah. one going to be, Jayla? It's going to be King of the Ring 2001. Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon. Oh, spicy choice! It's an absolute. It's brutal. Oh, I loved it. And again, it was like. The first time I'd really seen 2001, yeah, like the first time I'd really seen someone like, oh wow, these guys are are fighting. Yeah, they're not wrestling; they're just fighting each other. Like, ugh. and the more interviews that I've watched about that match, because you know the WWE did uh, like a replay of it where they commented commented on it, and the more things you know about it when they're like, oh yeah, that glass was meant to break and it didn't, and I broke my tailbone, and you're like, oh god, so good. Love it. Shane McMahon surprised us all there, didn't he? Yes. I think that was a big thing as well, is obviously you're like, well, it's Shane McMahon. He's not really known for being a for being a wrestler. He's Shane McMahon. He's just, he is an entity onto himself, and you never you never just you never thought that he could pull out that kind of match and like oof, i wouldn't want to take those suplexes through that glass absolutely I, not i was gonna say how much did you cringe when these with the suplex spot so this is the this the iconic moment from this match where angle is suplexing shane mm-hmm. uh, and the glass doesn't break the glass doesn't break the the thing that makes me cringe the most is somebody points out, and you can hear it if you turn the volume up, somebody points out that you can hear the big thump that Shane's head makes when he lands on the ground. That that just kind of dull thud, and it's, oh, it just, oh, it makes me feel sick. But, I, but at the same time, I loved it, because just watching it, you're like, ah, Especially when, again, they talk about it in interviews when they're like, oh, eventually I just grabbed him and chucked him through because it wasn't happening. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's what you would do, isn't it? You just, okay, you're, I guess you're going head first through the glass. Cool. Boof. And there's an iconic shot, and I love this camera work, where they're obviously, they've gone through one pane of glass, so they're fighting behind the scenes, and the shot, is from the opposite side of the glass. So when Shane bursts through it, he bursts towards the camera. Yes! It looks so good. It looks so good. And I love it. It's just like he's it. shot out of a cannon, isn't it? He just comes flying yeah. through. Yeah, I mean, he he must have been thrown through that with some fucking force. <laughs> like, 
it's it's brutal i just love it um was this a sky plus job as well yeah this was definitely a sky 2001 was definitely a sky plus job like i was in my third year of high school at that point in time so that was definitely a sky plus job we didn't stay awake for these i still can't stay awake i don't know what i'm saying like as if i can do it now <laughs> like i couldn't do it then i can't do it now Definitely did you have sorry. any uh, any friends at high school that were big wrestling fans with you? No, not really. Like, some of my pals, like, they sort of liked wrestling. So I had wrestling posters in my locker because I'm that kind of nerd. So I had wrestling posters in my locker. And I had friends that, like, so they were like, okay, we know who Edge and Christian are. Like, we know of them. But I remember getting super offended in a classroom once. I think it was my English class. And there was boys in front of me talking about wrestling. And I turned around and I was like, I just can't remember what they were talking about, but I distinctly remember saying how much I loved Eddie Guerrero because I thought Latino Heat, him and China together, oh, they were so cool. And I loved Eddie and his mullet. And one of the boys turned around and was like, oh, Eddie Guerrero's rubbish. And I got super offended. And after that, I was like, I'm just not going to talk to anyone in high school about wrestling because none of you have taste. So. It's a tough one when you're in school because it gets quite tribal with all kinds of fandom. So I guess that you kind of avoided some of that wrestling part with that one incident. You avoided a lot of that. I did. I just didn't really like, I think as well, like uh, 2001, I guess there's sometimes there still is. There was, you know, that stigma of, oh, you're a girl, but you like wrestling. And I just couldn't be bothered with it, to be honest. Like, mm. It wasn't, it was never really my, my thing, but there was friends that I had outside of school that were into wrestling and such. Some of them actually then went on to train at SWA as well and they don't do it anymore, but you know, so, you know, they ended up trying it as well, which is really cool. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ice Ribbon has been my home in Japan since 2014, and I just love every single one of you. Um, so... 
there's just, there's no words to describe the experiences that they've let me have. Um, so just, Aishriven Hontuni, Arigatou Kazamas, Tsukasan, Eroiro, Arigatou Kazamasta. Let's talk about your journey to Japan, because this was, although, you, as you say, you didn't have much in the way of plans, but you did see uh, stuff from Japan and went, that's, 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 that's good. Yeah. I like that. I want to do that. So the, the, the process of that, how did that come about, first of all, you getting involved with Ice Ribbon? So, basically, the first time I heard about Ice Ribbon was when they had come over, they brought some of their, their folk over to London to work with Pro Wrestling Eve. Now, I was not on that show. I wasn't working for Eve at the time. And, you know, that's kind of how I heard about the company. And some of the girls had gone, oh, yeah, Ice Ribboner, they're looking for, I guess, like foreign wrestlers to kind of come over and open up their portfolio. And Casey Owens had gone over before. And I just thought, you know, I don't know how you go about this. I don't know many things about companies over there or anything, but if you don't ask, you don't get. So I just, one day I put together like a press pack, so to speak. I had like, here's some matches, here's some promo pictures, here's a CV. And I just wrote an email. I just wrote an email to the president, uh, President Sato, just saying, hey, this is how long I've been wrestling for. This is how long I've been training for. I really want to come out I want to discuss like the possibility of coming out and working for you and training with with your girls and I thought nothing of it didn't think a thing um because I didn't hear anything back and about four weeks later just sitting around the house I got a random email going basically hi there uh yeah we would really like you to come to Japan and I was blinked at it for a few minutes put the phone down and went Right, I'm going to go make a cup of tea. Made a cup of tea, sat back down, read it again, and was like, okay, cool. This is definitely not terrifying. And from there, we just, we chatted a bit more. Uh, we made we made some business arrangements and some deals about travel and costs and such. And yeah, uh, the start of 2014, January, I went out for four weeks initially. So that was my first trip, was only four weeks, but it was great. What were some of the things that you learned pretty quickly on about the the difference, not just in wrestling style, because that's an obvious difference, but in terms of the discipline of wrestling from from the from the West to the East? Um, There is really no such thing in in this country. What I've noticed over the years, you get a lot of people who they think they want to wrestle. And then they realize how hard wrestling is, how, how hard wrestling should be, and they don't really want to do it. So you get a lot of what I would say, or you get a lot of hobbyists or kind of weekend folk in the UK, which is not a knock against them because that's, frankly, the majority of people, unless you're signed, wrestling isn't really not going to give you a full-time living, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas over over the way, it was just taken, it was taken seriously. Like some of these girls that I was training with, They'd been training from when they were five years old. They had the ice ribbon have a, a juniors class. And yeah, they were they'd been training from when they were five. So there was girls that were 12 who were 10 times the wrestler that some of the blokes are in the UK. And it's and it's true. 
I've all, I really, there was a sentence basically going, however good you think your favourite is, there is a 13-year-old in Japan that can out-wrestle them. And it's true. It just is true. It's just their mentality is very much of, oh, well, this is how it is. This is what you do. And that's, yeah, that was the biggest difference. Hard to grasp for the first week. Like, I went over thinking, I'm so cool. I'm going to go to Japan. And for the first week of training, I got my ass handed to me by kids half my age because they were that much more disciplined than I was. And I'm going, okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> like, there, there was just a commitment to it and an energy to it that, that when you come into it, I imagine it's quite intimidating. Yeah, I would say, I would say so. Like, there's just a real dedication to it. And it's like, you say certain, you know, it's like, you kind of go, oh, we don't do that. And they just look at you like, why? Why don't you just do these things? And you're like, I don't know. I just can't. But yeah, like it was just, it was, I mean, it was still fun. I loved it. But I think you had to be in the mentality of no, when I'm some, do I say it? Yeah, I'll just say it. Some wrestlers go over to Japan and they think it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. Or some wrestlers that are stay in this country, when you go over to Japan, they assume that you're just on holiday. And I was like, no, when I was working with Ice Ribbon, I was training like at least three times a week, like as in at least three long sessions per week, just training in the ring. You then also had to do all your chores in the dojo and you had to, you know, you had shows, you were wrestling maybe three, four times on shows per week. So it was hard, it was hard graft, like, yeah, you got all my nice pictures on Instagram of here's me at famous Japanese landmarks, but in between that time, I was working. It was a, it was a, it wasn't a holiday. <laughs> you were putting the yeah. hours in, not just in the ring, yeah. but everywhere else as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and it was even certain social events were counted as work as well because you were going and you were representing the company and you were you were putting your best face forward, kind of thing. Was there what what were the social events like with with Ice Ribbon? Oh, I loved them. Um, it's things like we did a lot of like there was press con. If there was a big show, you did a press conference, which blew my mind because I was for their tenth anniversary. They did a press conference, and it was at a really nice hotel, and they'd set up like you know your press table where you know like we're going to sit and answer questions, and it was just we don't do that here. We don't have that same kind of pomp and majesty of like you no, know, we're gonna this is this event and this is how seriously we're taking it to the point that, oh no, it's wrestling press are coming to ask us questions about this. Oh my God. Okay. It's, you know, it was stuff like that was cool. Going out for, for dinner and just generally meeting people with sponsors was always fun. It was nice to network, you know, and you can, and there's people that I met at events who I still talk to now who helped me in other parts of my career in different parts of different countries so it's it's a really good opportunity. If you play your card right, it's a good opportunity to network with people. Uh, looking at some of the matches that you had as part of Ice Ribbon, one of those names that uh, will jump out to people is Hikaru Shida, who yes. is uh, uh, doing wonderful work now as part of AEW. What are your memories of working with Hikaru Shida? Oh, she's great. Like, the reason I really loved working with Shida is, first of all, um, she was so welcoming, I should say. At the time, she was the the kind of face of Ice Ribbon. And it was just before she was leaving. Uh, she was leaving in a couple of months time when I was there. But she was so welcoming. She was so friendly. 
I before I went out, I'd sent her an email to say, hey, um, I'm coming out. She immediately messaged me back and said, great, when you get here, um, she took me for dinner. You know, she chatted about lots of things. But what I loved is when we were talking about matches, she's got a really good sense of humour and she understood uh, British sarcasm a lot. So, like, there was times when I was planning matches with people and I'd make a joke about a move that I was going to do that I would obviously look at me, I would never do it. And they would go, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. No, 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 no. I was kidding. Whereas Sheeda and I had this nonsense, this great kind of funny match, total nonsense at times, where we went outside to fight, as in outside the venue to fight in the street, because why not? And I made the joke going on, oh, I'll climb up there and I'll do a 450 splash. And she was like, oh, yeah, and then we'll throw you onto a train. And haha, I was like... I'm so glad that you understand that that's a joke because some people would have been like, oh, you're going to do a 450 off the balcony? Sweet. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, no, she was great. She was always really um, very kind, very welcoming and just absolute pro to work with, total professional. You know, there was things that she said she was going to hit me with and I was going, oh God, I'm going to die and barely, barely felt it. It was lovely, really good experience. When I first uh, decided at the start of the year that I was going to finish up with wrestling, um, I didn't really expect anything. I thought I'd do my last date and I'd kind of just fade away into obscurity and nothing really would come of it. But when I was away and Tsuka requested to be my retirement match, um, well, that's pretty much the biggest fudging compliment I've ever been given in 10 years that I've done this. You, you made the decision to call time on your, on your wrestling time after 10 years. Um, yep. What was it that made you realize? I mean, I've, again, I've heard you in previous interviews where you've said, you know what, I, I, you, you're very aware that the time was coming for you to come to an end. But when was it that you decided, you know what, this is when I'm going to end it and, and this is how I'm going to go? There was a couple of different couple of different factors, certainly. Like I, first of all, my age. Now, obviously I know you can carry on wrestling for, there's people older than, there's women older than me, certainly, who are still going and they look amazing. But I was very aware of like, mm, I know my age. I know how often I can train and there's always going to be, I think, that element of there are people who are younger than you and hungrier than you coming up behind you. And eventually I did not, I never wanted to get to that stage where I was a wrestler who was taking a spot from someone who worked harder for it or deserved it more just because I'd been around longer. I always thought that was really unfair in a lot of people. And I just, I was, I, I'd been, uh, I'd been accepted to university to study uh, paramedic science and someone once said to me, it's almost impossible to do something else great with your life when you're so entrenched in wrestling because it becomes this all-encompassing thing. Like that's just, that's what you do. It becomes like, it, make, it becomes the makeup of your fucking personality. Like you can't do anything else. And I just thought, you know... I feel like now is a good time. And I couldn't have asked, 2019, I couldn't have asked for a better year to go out on. Not just because COVID came and yeah. <laughs> demolished 2020. I timed that perfectly. 
but it just it felt like the right time and I, I do still get the itch you know I'll watch something and I'll be like mm, I could do that but really I think in the grand scheme of things between everything that's happening in wrestling just now anyway um, especially if you take into account speaking out I think I chose a really good time to hang up the boots for a while was there a moment on that sort of final run in 2019 where you thought to yourself, actually, I don't think I want to go? My last my last match in Japan, not in this country, my last match in Japan, I finished the match and I was just in floods of tears because I knew that that was going to be my last match ever in Japan because I was you know, coming back here to retire. So if I do go, when, I had a holiday booked, but that's a whole thing. Um, because then I was like, well, when I go back, I'm not going back as a worker. I'm going back as a tourist and as a friend just to visit people. I'm not going back to put myself through that again. And it just, that was overwhelmingly sad to me. I just felt, so. I just, I don't know. I just, I felt like, oh, maybe there's still things I could do or, and I just, I was sad. I was just really, really, really sad about the whole, about the whole thing. And then when I came home and I started doing my sort of last final matches, I felt better about it. But that moment I was just like, uh, I don't want to go. It was the Doctor Who thing. I just, I don't want to go. <laughs> oh no. You, right? you are Peter Parker disappearing. Yeah. Just turning to sand. Just... Oh no. That's it. <laughs> Talk to us about, even though like Japan, you say spiritually, that was that was where you sort of wanted to change your mind and, and keep this going. But yeah, uh, your your final match, the the three counts gone down. That's it. What goes through your head? I was really relieved, to be honest. Yeah. Like I felt like that entire day, I felt like there was a 10 ton weight on me. I just, I was nervous. Like I woke up just tense and nervous and just because for lots of things, like obviously Eve have always done right by me. So Eve were kind enough to accommodate this final match. And then you had Fujimoto was, you know, she requested it as well. That was the biggest thing is that she requested to be my final match. So she arranged to fly over from Japan to do the final match. And she's so great. She's just such a good wrestler. And the whole time I just thought, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it. Oh God, don't fuck it up. And I was so nervous that when the final bell went and I realized the match is over and I I didn't fuck it, everything went to plan. Nobody got injured. And now it's, it's done. I was like, oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> And I felt great. I felt really, really good. And I'd got all my tears and stuff out the night before after I wrestled Rhea. So I didn't cry that much. I felt, it was actually, it was really quite nice. I felt good. It did feel good. Through professional wrestling, I have met some of the worst people. God, you have, you have no idea. Some of the just horrific human beings in professional wrestling, but I've, no, I am not lying. Hashtag I am not wrong. But I have also met the best, ever, like from my closest friends. It's given me 
my best friends, my family, my husband. I've just, it's given me everything, literally everything. I've got to travel. It's just been the coolest thing ever. So. Your schooling at the moment is taking up a lot of time, but is there a passion to do more behind the scenes stuff in wrestling now? I was a coach for Respect Pro, Mm -hmm. but um, after the events of last year, I pretty much stepped away from most most wrestling companies. So I'm not affiliated with any any companies. I don't intend to be. I do still teach. I occasionally, um, there are girls that I'm friends with who have asked for training. So I'll, I very much, you know, if they ask, I teach them. Um, Emily Hayden is my wrestlewain, so I give her a lot of advice when she asks for it. But I think maybe is the answer. Um, full transparency and all honesty, I still have a lot of mixed feelings and bitterness towards certain elements of wrestling, especially in Scotland. So I don't feel like it's my place right now to step forward and take on a bigger role behind the scenes. I um I don't know. I just don't know, to be honest. Maybe, maybe in the future. Mm. Um, never say never ever. I still help out at respect sometimes as well because you know they're good people, they have good wrestlers there, they try hard. In terms of being actually behind the scenes, I think I'd more want to focus on what I'm doing in my career as opposed to wrestling, like especially in Scotland. Just nah, leave them to it. That's, that's fair enough. Hey, before we get to your third and final match, we like to spring this on people, Jayla. Oh, no. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, as well as taking three wrestling matches, you can also take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Oh! So the luxury item can be, because a few people go, what do you mean by that? It can be a creature comfort from home. It can be something that's going to keep you emotionally engaged whilst you're on the island. Mm-hmm. It can't be a phone and it can't be a satellite dish. I think those are the two that I've turned down. Can I take a I love No, that's not the point. Love it. Did someone be like, can I take my phone? What? No. Can I take another DVD of more wrestling matches? No. No, you can't. So we'll get to that. But movie, okay. what movie would it be, Jayla? Oh, it's so hard. Okay. Much to everybody's probably maybe surprise, it would not be a Star Wars movie. Oh. Uh, the Warriors. Oh, why the Warriors? The Warriors is my... Star Wars is my favourite franchise. That's how I get away with this. Um, Star Wars is my favourite franchise. The Warriors is my favourite movie. I just... I always loved it, like... Just from... I once caught... When I was younger, I caught it on, like, Sky Movies. And it's that opening with the Wonder Wheel and it's just the purple lights with just that little tune. And immediately I was like, what is this? (laughs) what I'm interested and it just you know Cyrus's full speech can you count suckers I was like loved it just loved it and it was um yeah so that's the movie that I would take how about an album it's great album oh um oh that's hard because it's a tie in my head oh no can I take one uh, a perfect circle, Merdenoms. What was out of interest? What was the other option? 
Uh, Fear Factory, obsolete. Oh wow! With with um, Perfect Circle, why why does that just clip Fear Factory? Okay, this is a purely practical answer, but I just feel like constant metal would be too much, and Merdinoms is a bit more of a balanced album. So there's like chill songs, and there's also like you know a bit of heavier stuff. Whereas Fear Fact Obsolete, which is a a concept album from start to finish, it it's pretty heavy most of the way through. And I think on an island, sometimes I just want to chill, and that's the only excuse that I've got. What's the ultimate chill track on that album? Three Libras. Oh, I, I know that one. I think. <laughs> You're going to go and search this later. I seem to remember hearing it on a compilation CD that I made <laughs> when I was in college. And my brain just went, you know that. Um, and a luxury item. What's the luxury item going to be? Oh, this is difficult. <laughs> this was so difficult. Um, okay. It's going to sound totally mental, but I'm going to take, if I can stretch my headphones as I walk backwards. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm uh, Jayla's take, reaching across. I'm going to take my twirling stick. Oh, Jayla is showing us her twirling stick. Which um, sounds way filthier than it actually is. That's why I said it. Uh, <laughs> so, what, so what's the story behind the twirling stick? So the story is, um, I've actually only just recently got into like staff twirling. I used to do poi spinning. So, you know, poi is like the th- the ball on the end of a chain and you spin it and it makes like cool patterns and stuff. And you can do it with oh, fire yes. or lights. So I did it with poi spinning and I want to, I'm, I'm bored in lockdown when I'm not working. All I'm doing is sitting around the house. I'm bored. So I wanted to teach myself staff twirling because I want to be a Jedi, obviously. And uh, I thought it'd be fun. So I think this would give me hours of entertainment on a, uh, on a desert island. I could learn how to twirl without accidentally hitting my cats. Uh, how, what, what have you, have you figured it out yet? How far are we into the twirling? I'm pretty still early into it. I've sort of like, I can do some cool little flows, but every so often you will hear me just go, ah, fuck, when I hit myself in the face. <laughs> or, a, or, or a cat gets it in the, in the eye <laughs> as well. <laughs> sorry socks i'm so sorry come back your final match then so we've had um we've had some belters so far we've had the battle of the sexes from armageddon we've had um the the king of the Rings 2001 angle versus uh shame at man what is your third and final match gonna be um so this is the one that i agonized over the other two i was like no they're definitely gonna be on but um i'm gonna go with um Omega versus Okada at Wrestle Kingdom 11. So to add my name among the list that I've entered the Tokyo Domain event, wow, I guess you could say that I've become a legend. As a Japanese champion, as the hometown boy, you've been fantastic. But guess what, Okada? No one wants to listen to your translated promos anymore. The people of Access Television, they want to hear my voice. So, this is the America Pro Wrestling. 
アメリカのプロレスファンの皆さんに確認してもらいたいです。And that's what we're going to give them in 2017:The gift that is a Kenny Omega run to each and every one of you. You can't get bigger than Wrestle Kingdom for a start. You、no. just can't. And even trying to pick something just from Wrestle Kingdoms is difficult in itself because there's so many matches that are just, just awesome. Like, but I,、um, Omega versus Okada, in terms of like a storyline, it felt personal. Like, Omega was fantastic at kind of bringing himself into it and making it feel like. Oh shit, this is a grudge match. Like, this is a. For, for Japanese wrestling, you were like, oh, yeah, this is meaty. You could just. There was a. Even just watching it live from the house, there was just a sense of, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And it didn't disappoint. It, it didn't stop. It went from zero to a hundred and just stayed there. And I don't. Like, the fitness of these men is insane. Like, that level of work the whole way without dropping the ball, you. Awesome. Just awesome. It was that、so、night that I think everybody thought, well, this is the night that Kenny wins it. This is, this is Kenny's passing、yes. of the torch. And, it, and they, they didn't give us that. They held off. They held off at least another year before they did that.、Yep. And, and, I, and I love that as well. It was the unpredictable thing where everyone went, holy shit, he lost. How did he lose? And you're like, well, he lost because Okada's fantastic as well. Like, it's not like he lost to someone shit. It's funny because you mentioned、um, earlier on. How you and your friends were watching TNA,、mm-hmm. and <laughs> Okada was part of TNA. It's, of it's always a weird footnote in wrestling that here's this guy doing a Green Hornet character, a sidekick of Samoa Joe, <laughs> who in a handful of years' time will become, let me check my notes here, the greatest wrestler on the goddamn planet. Like,、right. how, how did you, how did we miss this? <laughs> it's Why are we not funding this? It happens with so many wrestlers, though. Like, there's folk that you'll watch and you'll be like, eh, you're fine, I guess. And, I, and then, yeah, years later, you're going, oh, you're more than fine. You're spectacular. I see. Fair. Fair enough. Cool.、Um, it doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know. Some people might disagree with me. It doesn't always happen with British wrestlers. It seems to happen a lot with American wrestlers and Japanese wrestlers. And I suppose Mexican wrestlers as well. But in Britain, it's that kind of no, you're either great and you get better, or you're either mediocre and you get okay. It's more in perception, I think, with British wrestlers. Because I know, sort of, like when I remember Pete, I remember working on a show with Pete Dunne in 2011. <laughs> 2010, 2011, and like it was an undercard match. Him and the Dun- it was the Dunn brothers. Hey, that was a good little opener. And there he is now, like headlining NXT Takeover. Like, you know, I, it's amazing. It probably comes down to, I, I guess what I just said is actually fairly unfair. So I will take it back. But no, that, I, had to, I had to flog my memory for one example. So you're not far yeah, off. Okay. But I, I think it, it really does just show, I think it depends on the individual. Like, there are just some people. Who, like, once they find their niche, once they find what they excel at and they get comfortable in it, something you can see it in them. And I think Pete Dunn's a great example. Something just clicks, something just snaps into place, and you're like, oh, there it is. He's got that. Oh, I hate to use that term, but he's got that X factor. You know, he's got that thing that makes him stand out from other people. 
And I just think sometimes in the UK, that doesn't happen a lot because so many guys and girls, I suppose, are trying to, instead of trying to find their own thing that makes them click, they're too busy trying to emulate other people who are doing better than them. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. It's just finding your own way. Um, it was something else that I, that I think a few people have, a few people have mentioned this one thing that William Regal said to them. And I think you've, mm-hmm. you've said it before as well, which is if people spent more time trying to do what they were good at rather than trying to do what they wanted to do, then yeah. they get on much, much quicker. Yeah, 100%. Like I've heard Regal say that. I've heard variations of it as well. And it's just, it's true. And, you know, if any straight up advice, like, or any kind of the way that I realized I was having a good time in wrestling was, was when I basically ignored everybody else. So when you first start out in wrestling, everybody and their fucking mum will want to give you advice and tell you this is what you should be wearing. This is how you should look. This is how you should sound. This is what your promos should look like. All this stuff. And if you listen to the, I mean, some of the advice will be great and you take it and you go, cool. But frankly, not everybody's opinion holds the same weight. You know, it just doesn't, frankly. And once I basically went, oh, you know what? I fucking hate this. I just, this is how I want to look. I want to cut my hair. I want to wrestle this way. I'm going to change my name. And once I started ignoring everybody, I had the best time. The last couple of years of my career were so much fun and I really enjoyed it. And then I had people coming up going, oh, you just, you just look different. And I was like, because I'm comfortable, because I'm happy with what I'm doing. And that's what I wish more people would just focus on. Focus on yourself. Like, hell, nobody else is going to, so you might as well. Let's take one more Sorry, moment. I got to... ranty. No, it's fine. <laughs> I want to take one more moment to focus on you. Where can people find you, Jayla Dark? You can find me on Twitter far too often at Jayla Dark. I really need to get off Twitter, honestly. It makes me angry, but I can't get away from it. Have a detox. I Have a detox. I spent two I weeks do, off Twitter. It's amazing. I do try. I try. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I need to tell people that I'm live streaming. And that's where my main audience is. Fuck. Um... So um, you can get me on Twitter at Jayla Dark. You can get me on Twitch. I'm also on Twitch at Jayla Dark. I do Friday night pre-gaming at 9pm for two hours where I play nonsense and talk shit. Pretty much the way I'm doing it now. And uh, yeah, and you can get me on Instagram as well, but I'm sorry, my life's not very interesting anymore. No one's life is interesting <laughs> at the moment. No, no one's one. life is interesting right now. It's fine. There's, it's a, fine lot of, if... <laughs> there's a lot of cat pictures going up <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Cat pictures and lightsabers. I don't cat know what more you need. Well, I started this. Um, I started this stupid. It's not really doing much just now because, again, not much happening. I started this uh, Instagram account called Do It Like a Jedi, which is where all my staff twirling nonsense and workouts and meditation nonsense is going to go. So you can follow that too if you feel so inclined. So you know what? I might not have done as many things as some people. I didn't go to Shimmer, I didn't do the WWE, I didn't tour America, but you know what? If what I'm remembered for is turning up on time to shows with a smile on my face and doing my job and entertaining people, then I'm totally okay with that. So just... For everybody in the back, if you have ever shared the ring with me, trained with me, 
bitched and moaned with me, laughed with me, travelled up and down the country, shared hotel rooms. If, ever, if anyone in the audience, if you've ever cheered for me, booed for me, chanted, bought pictures, got selfies, got t-shirts, or even just tweeted me a really funny gif. <laughs> just thank you, because you've made this the best experience ever. And uh, I regret absolutely nothing. <laughs> up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 